This episode is brought to you by Dollar Shave Club, and I know, I know another ad, right? But I personally use Dollar Shave Club all the time and have been using them for years. Uh, I remembered I would always buy the disposable razors, and I would they wouldn't last. They would cut you, and then when you would get the more expensive ones, they they were just really expensive, and you had to keep buying them until I came across Dollar Shave Club. Then, you know, it changed the game forever with razors. And now they offer way more than just razor. They offer skincare products, hair care products, hair stuff, gel, pomade, you name it. They offer a whole variety of different products. I mean, you don't believe me? Go give them a try and then you'll love them. Click the link in each episode and or our bio and you'll love them. You're going to be helping the podcast. Or if you want to help the podcast too, if you're if you go over to Anchor FM, there's a donation button. You can sign up, donate every month. Uh, thank you guys to the people who have signed up and continue to donate. I truly appreciate it. So... Click the link. Go check out Dollar Shave Club. Let's get into your episode. I got five. yourself. That's the best way you can. I need to add stuff to the. That, see, that's not mine. Huh? So, Someone, you say something funny. Yeah. <laughs> Or if I'm trying to cheer you on. You can change these. I just never listen to them. Huh? Just in case you got a joke. Just in case no one laughs and say, laughs at your joke. Yeah. Alright, and we're live. Welcome back to Masculine Moguls. It's your boy, the one with the scar in his face. Your boy, Scarface. And today, I finally got to do an episode. I know I reached out to you the other day. Well, it was a little while back ago that I wanted to do one in... Uh, I was thinking about doing it over Zoom, but you said you were going to come. So mm-hmm. now you're here and we're going to be able okay. to do it. We have Ariana. Hey, what's up? I don't know if you want to put your last name out there. I don't care. Okay, Ariana Nunez. <laughs> Ariana Nunez. Yeah. Uh, uh, we've known each other for a long time. Yeah, uh, I was just thinking about that. It's like 12 years. Is Literally, it 12 years? yeah. When I, I met you when I was 15. Because of my brothers. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that, that's why years uh, crazy. it's funny because uh, I'm not going to put them on blast, but they're like, uh, when you came last time? I think, well, not like, yeah, last time. Uh, I remember I took a picture of you when you were playing with Alani. Mm-hmm. And some guy was like, hey, like, you should hook me up with your, uh, or, or with her. Yeah. And I was like, no. <laughs> N-O, no. N-O, because, I mean, like like we said, we've known each other for a long time. So I feel like, I, w- I always tell people, I feel like she's like my little sister. Mm-hmm. You know I what s- I mean? I say the same, that you're like an older brother. Yeah, because yeah. I remember you've gone through like a bunch of stuff, like throughout the years. <laughs> and like, I've always tried to also be there for mm-hmm. you, like just like your brothers have. So, but I'm glad you uh, were able to come on because I know you've been doing a lot of things out in Wa- or not, yeah, Washington, yeah, right? yeah, Seattle, yeah. right? Is Seattle. it Seattle? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes, but we'll get all in- into that. So, you're not originally from Idaho, right? Mm-mm. No, I uh, was born and raised in L.A. Mm-hmm. until I was like 15, and then we moved to Idaho, and then I went to school, graduated, and then I moved to uh, Seattle. So you were in L.A. until what age? 15. 15. Mm-hmm. So how was that coming from, I mean, go, going from L.A. Mm-hmm. and then coming to Idaho? Because at that time, yeah, Idaho Falls was pretty big, but mm-hmm. not that big, not no, compared to L.A. Right, yeah. How was that It was like a huge culture shock Mm -hmm. because, I mean, like, coming from L.A. where the community is, like, mostly Latinos or, like, black and brown folk. And, Mm -hmm. like, you come here and everyone literally is white. And (laughs) it's just crazy. I was, like, one of maybe six students of color at my Mm -hmm. high school. Like, it it was insane. And so... 
did you do the same like I did? Uh, I I always hung out with the other mm-hmm. Latinos there just because there weren't many of us. And even growing up, I I, I told people, yeah, I, we dealt with racism because there was mm-hmm. we we would walk down the hall and somebody would yell out "spick" mm-hmm. or "you fucking Mexican," mm-hmm. but they wouldn't say it when you were in a group. So mm-hmm. uh, I remember people would always say, "Why why are you guys always hanging out in a group?" That's why because you know we're not going to call each other that or like disrespect each other in that way. Did you ever run into those issues? And yeah, yeah, and I um I listened to your podcast with I think it was Rod when he was oh, talking about his neighbor and yeah. like I think you mentioned that in there too about how we had that little clip. Yeah, yeah, and um, but yeah, same thing. You know, I you, when you walk into a room, especially when you're like a brown or black person, you you're automatically going to gravitate towards people that look like you, you know, you're more comfortable that way. But the weird thing is like maybe after a year or two of being in high school, I remember wanting to assimilate into the white culture. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to be brown. I was so embarrassed to speak Spanish in the stores. Like my mom would try to speak Spanish and I'd be like, no, no, mom, stop. Like, no, English. Yeah. Crazy. And, um, I think that's when I think back to high school now, I I resent it so much and mm-hmm. I don't want anything to do with it or um because I just feel like it wasn't a place where I could be myself and there were there were any teachers staff or students that would um push me to be myself and to be proud of who I was and my culture and everything and so I mean that's what I try to push on a lot of people that just because they didn't um it didn't happen to them it doesn't mean it doesn't happen to other people you know mm-hmm. like even uh, there, there was a podcast I did with Adam and literally, I think this was a few weeks ago. I can't remember the exact date. And I don't remember if it was the day before or the week before, like I was out shooting photos and some guy just yelled out some racial slurs. I mean, just for no reason, you yeah. know, like I wasn't doing anything. I was just taking photos, like senior photos for somebody. Mm-hmm. And so it does exist in high school. Wh- what did you, cause I know you graduated from ISU. You have your bachelor's mm-hmm. and you yeah. have your master's now? Uh, yeah, I have my master's from University of Washington. And yeah. master's in what? Social work. Mm. Yeah. And did you want to do that in high school? No, um, I didn't really. I actually wanted to go into psychology. But mm. I remember my sophomore year of gra- or of my undergrad school, um, I asked my mom, because ev- everyone already knew what they wanted to do. And when I talked to my mom about it, she was like, if I had, she never, she never graduated even like middle school. Right. Um, and so she was like, if I had a chance to go to college, I would want to become a social worker. Mm-hmm. And that was my first time hearing of social work. Um, but when I started to look into it and research it and I was like, this is like, so me, it's already what I'm doing without like the title or, you know, mm-hmm. or wanting to do. Yeah. What made you like what were some of the things that were like gravitated you to to that um just like having i consider myself to be an empath i don't know if you if you know what that means Mm-mm. um it just means like i can f- i can like if somebody is upset in a room i can really truly feel those emotions mm-hmm. you know um and when people tell me stories and things like that my compassion is just like on overload mm-hmm. um and I've just, that's who I am. That's who I've always been. Um, and so just wanting to help people out. And right now I work, my concentration is in children and youth. Mm-hmm. I always said I didn't want to work with kids just because of the heartbreaking reality that comes with some of their stories. But I had a professor who kind of pushed me to try something different and work with him for mm-hmm. a year, which was in juvenile probation. And 
I fell in love with it and I was like, wow, this is, this is what I'm supposed to do is work with kids. And so that's what I'm doing. What were you doing during that juvenile, uh, like when you were working with your professor, you said? Yeah, yeah. So he was a director of probation for the agency and I was just kind of like a, I was an intern, but it was a, a probation officer pretty much. Um, and so, and this was here in Idaho in uh, Pocatello, but yeah, just like working with the kids, making sure they were, um, what age, age group were they were remember? in middle school. Okay. So from like 12 to 14, 15. And the, yeah. these were just kids who got in trouble doing something mm -hmm. or. Yeah. I mean, a lot of it was that they got in trouble, but, um, it's just sometimes like the system is just so messed up, you know, especially with things like probation and it's like you can't even you can you sometimes you don't even have the ability to be human mm -hmm. because one mistake that you make or just whatever you know you you get violated for it and mm -hmm. it's like you're back to the courts and it's like another thing that you need to do and it's just um it's so punitive um and so that's just kind of yeah what i i just really want to help and you know work navigate through sorry help people navigate through the system yeah and, all the loopholes and all that. And so, okay, you, you graduated from ISU, right? Mm -hmm. And that was a bachelor's in social work as well? Yes. Did you work here in Idaho mm -hmm. before you ended up moving? Yeah, I, I worked here for a year. It was at a preschool. It was like a Head Start. I don't know if you've heard of Head Start, but it was in yeah. Pocatello. Yeah, and so I was a family advocate for them um, just for a year. And then that's when I, I moved to Seattle, so... Was it pretty heartbreaking, some of the stories that you would hear through? Because uh, I, I know you sometimes posted some things and uh, like what the kids go through, like some mm -hmm. of the kids have to go through. Was it pretty like actually having to deal with this is like the real life now, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Right. Like yeah. you're working your, in your career. Was it shocking or was it like heartbreaking? What was what was that like? I mean, yeah, it was, it's, it's still shocking now. Now I've, I'm probably like, it's been six, seven years that I've been working with kids. Um, and it's still shocking now. Some mm -hmm. of the, it's just, you think you've heard it all. And then it's like, I haven't heard it all. It's crazy. And so, yeah, it's really sad. And it just, it ranges, right? There's like sexual abuse, there's neglect, there's physical abuse, um, yeah, like homelessness, um, drug abuse. So yeah, it's it's. Uh, Does it ever get wide. to the point where you're like, I can't deal with it? Because I'm I'm sure it's a lot of, you know, uh, heartbreak on your end, but then also stress, like because you're mm -hmm. trying to help them, yeah. and you 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 can help a lot of people, but you can't help everybody, right? You know, mm -hmm. th does it ever get like tiresome? I mean, yeah, like, it does. like some days you wake up, you're like, like why can't everything just be yeah. Like, yeah. Perfect. I mean, it's crazy. And uh, sometimes I'll call my mom after work, you know, on my way home and I'll just cry and mm -hmm. tell her like what I saw or what I, um, the case I had that day or whatever came up. And she tells me every time she's like, you chose this career. Like yeah. you knew what you were signing up for, especially when you're working with kids. And I think that's, that's the most heartbreaking to me is because it's so out of their control. They don't have anybody. Right. Um, well, at least the ones that I deal with in their specific situations. And so, yes, I wake up, like, tired, but I'm also, like, if not me, who else? And mm -hmm. so that's just kind of what keeps me going to work. What was, uh, do you remember the first one that actually, like, made you, like, start bawling? 
There's there's been like a few over the years. Um, but I think the first one was it was like a nine year old um who was getting he neglected. Um and uh so just like locked in his room all day, like took they didn't have a bed for him. It was literally just the floor, like a wood floor. You go into this room, it's empty, and that was his room. Um and he it, it was just it, it was crazy like what i and this was my first time hearing of anything mm-hmm. of these things but he like um like a punishment for him would be that either he had to take a really 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 cold shower or no showers for like weeks you know and so um and he was he was adopted i think into this family i think it was like a foster family that was you mm-hmm. know so um yeah, that was one of them, and that and. that one reminds me of uh, that Netflix. Uh, I think it was on Netflix documentary about I can't remember his name. Is it the Gabriel Hernandez one? I think so. Where they would just like lock him in a room yeah. and then like just beat the crap out of him. And, yeah, but he was still like one of the happiest kids ever. Mm-hmm. So so like when these things are going on, do you know by the time they they get to you, do you know what's going on, or is it stuff that you start finding out? I mean, it's like. They have behaviors, right? Mm-hmm. When you see kids acting out in school, um, throwing tantrums, you know, being aggressive, all these things, it's their way of communicating to you because, I mean, especially if things are going on at home, you know, thing, I'm, my myself, right, I went through a lot of childhood trauma and it was like so taboo, hush, hush, don't say anything to anyone. Mm-hmm. Um, and so... It's the same for them, and but that's their way of communicating is their their behaviors that they're showing, right? So a lot of um, now it's like taking more of a trauma inform or trauma lens in mm-hmm. school. So when they are acting out, it's because they're trying to tell you something, and it's our job to figure out what is going on um, instead of just oh my gosh, he's so annoying. Let's just mm-hmm. suspend him. Whatever, we don't care. Because um, oftentimes there's something else that's underlying there. So what would you say like are some things to look out for? Because uh, I'm pretty sure somebody's going to listen to this that is going into social work or is it like, you know, in school to become like in social work, mm-hmm. you know, just so it can help them out in their future. Like what are some things that you look for when you get to meet like new, new mm-hmm. uh, kids? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, it depends, especially with like my job now with being I'm a school social worker in West Seattle. And so it's a uh, it's more like they refer them to us or and right now I'm at a high school. Last year I was in an elementary school. Um, and so it's different ages, right? Different behaviors that you're going to see. Mm-hmm. But it's mostly teachers or staff or somebody else referring the kids to us or they them referring themselves to us. But um, yeah, it, it, it just really depends. I mean, there's not one behavior just because everyone's different, but if I, I mean, maybe like if we're talking sexual abuse, um, maybe they are, you know, trying their, their actions that they're doing might be more like sexual actions and that's not normal for like a four or five year old. Mm-hmm. Um, they're touching themselves or others a lot. I've seen that too at school where, um, I think a kid was getting abused and he was just touching his classmates like in the private areas, you know, um, and that's kind of how it came to light. And um, it's a matter of obviously having to report it like I'm a mandated reporter. So anything that I 
even see going on, I have to call and report it to Child Protective Services. Um, and then a lot of educating. So sitting and talking to, I think he was in first grade, so he was six or seven. Um, and just educating him on like the body parts and what's okay to touch and what's not and things like that. Um, and then other, like if they're being physically abused or a lot of kids witness like severe domestic violence in the home, mm. they'll repeat those same behaviors at school, right? They'll hit or they'll kick someone and it's out of nowhere. So, um, yeah, it just really depends. And then it's obviously it ranges from ages and like what you see in high schoolers and middle schoolers and mm-hmm. elementary school. Yeah. Okay. I know, I know you mentioned a little bit ago that you now work in, in Seattle, but what made you leave? Idaho Falls, or not Idaho Falls, but Pocatello, and go over to Seattle. Mm-hmm. Uh, heartbreak. <laughs> yeah, I remember. <laughs> yeah, you remember. Yeah, I remember that. You were you were a big support in my life yeah. during that time. <laughs> yeah, so, I remember that. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was a heartbreak, and I went, and I was miserable for the first six months. I was miserable and depressed, and I was like, I don't, like, you know when it's like you escape, but it's like you really didn't escape. It's still, you know, the yeah, pain is there. still there. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so I was like, I'm going to move. I was going to go to back to L.A. And I was I told myself I was like, I'm going to apply to grad school. If I don't get in, I'll go to L.A. And if I do, then I'll stay. And so I got in. So I stayed <laughs> to in Seattle. Yeah. So you applied to, to get your master's, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And how is how is like the life compared? I mean, you know, you lived in Pocatello mm-hmm. and then you moved to Seattle. How mm-hmm. is the that lifestyle? Like, I know it's way different, way bigger city. Right. I mean, it's it's still it was still a culture shock. I mean, obviously, going from Idaho to Seattle, Seattle is still predominantly white, but it's still obviously more people of color mm-hmm. um, and uh, more like culture. And there's more things to do. And um the I think for me the biggest thing was just the PNW vibes. You know the hikes are beautiful there, just nature. Like oh, you I can bet. just go to a local park, mm-hmm. and it literally feels like you're in the woods in the forest. And so that's um, that we don't have that here. You know, like this whole week that I've been here, I'm like I, I want to just go like on a walk somewhere, but it's like where <laughs> it's all like fields. <laughs> oh, yeah. here in Idaho. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I, I mean you got we have some. Yeah, yeah. I mean we have some, but <laughs> Sorry, yes, yes. Some of them are a little too far, though. You know yeah, what I mean? like, right. It's like a it's a drive to get out there. Mm-hmm. So, you you said you were you were trying to that was going to be the the factor whether you go went to LA, stayed in Washington, mm-hmm. if you got into like the program to get your master's. Mm-hmm. What made you want to get your master's to begin with? It was honestly, I don't. It was um, I wasn't planning on getting my master's until like two years after I had applied. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I was just kind of like, I heard a lot of good things about the University of Washington. It's one of the, um, their social work program is like top three in the whole world, I think. Mm-hmm. And um, and so, I don't know. I was just feeling risky. And I was like, I'm just going to, and that's the only school I applied to. I honestly didn't expect to get in. Like, I didn't think I would. And um, But I ended up getting, because I applied to an advanced program. Mm-hmm. Um, and I got in, so... That was, yeah, it was pretty life-changing. And I'm so grateful because I, I love it there so much. I don't, yeah, I don't see myself leaving. So when you moved out there, did you continue to work in your field while you went to your, like, uh, did that program? Or mm-hmm. did you just do uh, something else besides that? The first year, 
that I was there, I was not in school. And so, yes, I was working at a school, but just as like a paraeducator. So we're still working with kids, but not at the capacity of like a school counselor, school social work role. Um, and then I applied for grad school. And then I, I was also working at the school and at a restaurant. Um, and so when I applied to grad school and I got in, I quit the school job and then just stuck to the restaurant job. But I was I was a server full time while also being in school full time. Mm -hmm. And so it was like an exhausting year, but we made it through. Yeah. <laughs> was <laughs> yeah. it just one year? Yeah, it was just one year because it was an advanced program. So and then after that, you graduate, you get your master's. You know, I remember I was going to go, but then like, oh, yeah, yeah, shit happens. you know, yeah, yeah. yeah shit happens. <laughs> uh, so did you get that job where you're at right away? Um, so I actually was at an elementary school last year. Mm -hmm. Um, it took me, I graduated in June and I started the school year in September. Mm -hmm. So it took me a few months. Um, well, and I think I started applying before I graduated to just different places. Um, I, I, I know some kids like you're working as a social worker now, right? I know some kids though. They won't say what's going on at home. You know what I mean? Like, um, are, is is that true? Like, when the parents tell them, hey, don't say anything, don't say anything, mm -hmm. are they, do they not want to talk at all? Mm -hmm. I mean, you can tell, I, I never, ever push them to talk to me, right? I'm always like, whatever you feel comfortable sharing. And then I always let them know that I'm a mandated reporter um, because that's just the transparency, right? And it, it goes with building that connection with them and that relationship with them. I'm not just going to not tell them yeah. and then have them tell me something that I need to report. And then it's like, trust all, is all gone. Yeah. Um, and so it's, it just depends. I mean, some of them it, it takes, I know one time I was, I now currently I worked, I'm working with a student and I met her in September and just building that rapport with me and I knew something was going on like we all knew something was happening we just didn't know what and she didn't talk and then it was like four and a half months later that she finally disclosed to me what was happening and so that was four months of me trying to build this trust and relationship with her um and it was like a pretty severe disclosure and um so I was like really proud of her but yeah it just it depends sometimes they'll talk sometimes if they don't trust you or they don't trust adults they just won't um I think it helps that I look like I'm 16 <laughs> I'm 27 but I get that all the time people think I'm a student and so I think to them it's just I can relate better and um yeah how does that feel like when they finally just glow something you're like holy shit like this mm -hmm. is going on like how, how does that feel it's um it's heartbreaking especially because it's you know it's, stu it's students that you grow to love and know and care for and that you believe in so much and you want the absolute best for them and then when they disclose something um that's detrimental to their life or to their future it just is really shitty and um in the moment, right, I'm obviously not, like, I've been tr trained in crisis work, so I'm not like, oh, my God, oh, my God, what yeah. that, you know? Um, but I still, you know, just validate them and tell them, hey, thank you so much for sharing. I appreciate that. And I always just ask them first, what would you like to do first? Mm -hmm. Before I even give them ideas, before I say anything, if I have to call CPS, I, I tell them. I'm like, I have to call. Do you want to be there with me? Do you want to talk to them also? Or do you want to just 
be updated or do you just not want to be involved at all? Um, that way they don't feel like betrayed or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So like when they, have you ever dealt with the parents? Mm, yeah. How was how like, cause I know, okay. There's two questions. Like, have they, like you found out something, you reported it, right? Mm-hmm. My first question is, have they like came to you and like try to attack you? Not like physically, but like, you know, mm-hmm. verbally, you know, mm-hmm. emotionally, like saying like, you don't know what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. And like, have you ever seen a parent and like just got furious because you knew what was going on? Yeah. I mean, yes to both those things. I've definitely just recently this year, I've gotten threats from a dad, you know, like just watch, watch what's going to happen because of the CPS call just kind of separated their family, but it had to be done. Right. Mm -hmm. The, the student was in danger, no longer safe in the home. You cannot go back home. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, I get, I got threats from the family. Um, they called my supervisor hella times to try and get me in trouble and like said hella lies about me. Thank God my supervisor had my back. Um, but yeah, it happens and it's, it's, um, it's scary, you know, it can, it can be scary, but when was your first threat? Um, it was barely this year. Also oh, my it, first threat. Yeah. Did, did that freak you out at all? It did. It did. Um, and it was both threats of um, my safety mm-hmm. and also like like a lawsuit yeah. threat also. And so, so yeah. And, and the just so people get, no, I'm not asking you like what happened because I know you can't disclose like, mm-hmm. you know, those mm-hmm. situations. For those people listening, that's why I'm not asking that, you know, because yeah, yeah. you – when you get a job doing something like this, you, I mean, I'm pretty sure you had a sign, like, uh, something saying mm-hmm. that you're not going to be out talking about yeah, it. So it's confidential. Yeah. So just people, FYI, that's why I'm not yes. getting into the, hey, like, what happened? like, what, like, what happened to him, you know? Yeah. So j- just so people know that it, it stays confidential. So like if, uh, you know, some kids mm-hmm. actually say something that you're not going to go and blast it on a podcast. Right. Yeah. So have you, have you ever like, say you're talking to a kid trying to get the information out and like you kind of know what's going on but he hasn't exactly told you mm-hmm. have you ever seen like a parent and like just gotten furious like because yeah, you know what's going on for sure yeah all the time but it's like you can't I can't do anything about it right I can't um because at the end of the day it's their family quote-unquote right mm-hmm. and um our job is to serve the families too um a lot of times like say it's a sexual abuse right I I think and this is where um I I always try to see both sides of it right like maybe the dad is abusing their child Mm -hmm. um but it's like maybe he got abused too or like there's something there that made them want to do this act this way whatever you know and so um I always try and just and as fucked up as it sounds, you know, like, um, empathize and yeah. see like why or like try and put myself in their shoes. And so, yeah, I get pissed, but I'm really good about like, I don't really get angry like that. And mm-hmm. I don't, I'm not aggressive and loud and all that. So, um, you can't even really tell if, if you know, in front of a parent, I wouldn't. Yeah. You're, you're, uh, perfect for this because if I found out like me, I love kids, mm-hmm. you know, what I, mean? yeah. I love kids. And if I found out this person was like abusing or doing something bad mm-hmm. to his kid, I would totally say something, yeah. you know, and like, or possibly try to hurt them. Cause I'm like, you look at kids, right. Mm-hmm. And you're like, why would you want to do anything to them? Yeah. 
you know, except like help them grow, like help them, you know, mature. So that's that's pretty cool that you can do that because I don't mm-hmm. think I would be able to. Like if I found out somebody was abusing somebody, a kid I knew, you better believe it. I'm going to say something. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I want to ask you for someone who's getting into social work, what should they be looking forward to? Like uh, just so they know what they're getting into, like. You obviously said it's a lot of heart heartbreak. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of uh, stress, a lot of dealing with uh, a bunch of emotions, you know, mm-hmm. anger, sad, you know, yeah. a, a lot of things. What should they be expecting and be th- that way? Like when they get into the field, too, mm-hmm. they know what to expect. Right. Um, I feel like expect the unexpected. <laughs> you never know, honestly, with social work. And, like, it's a field – I'm in education, mm-hmm. but you can be in a hospital. You can be at, ho- like, hospice work. Um, you can be, like, a policy – in policy as a social worker. You know, there's different fields for it, so you'll see different things depending on what you want to do. But, um, yeah, it's just – it's a crazy f- – I, I think when people think social work, they automatically think they're the people that come to your house and take away your kids. But that's not what it is. It's really just helping those that can't really help themselves and then helping them to help themselves and empower them to do to do that work for themselves. And um, and I think that's, uh, that's huge because there's a big mi- misconception, right? You think social worker, it's like, oh, she's just here to take my kids. But mm-hmm. that's not what it is at all. Especially at school, that's not all I do. You know, there's a lot of just mental health things like suicide ideation with the kids, um, of death in the family, grief support work. Um, and then right now I'm trying to just change the school system because the staff, um, culture is a little rocky. So, you know, and then your team too, you, you find your team, especially in school, you find your friends, you know, your colleagues. And I'm still really, really close to my girlfriends that I met in school. And it's so helpful because, when I have a case and it's really hard and I don't know what to do, I can reach out to them and they have so many more ideas because they're also social workers and we have a really good relationship. So mm-hmm. just those connections um, that you have or make. And I know you, you touched on a little bit with like mental health, but with the kids, does it ever mess with you? Like all this stuff, does it ever mm-hmm. like, do you have to like talk to somebody? Mm-hmm. I know you mentioned earlier that you call your mom all the time. Is that mm-hmm. what helps you? Yeah. I mean, it's definitely like you have to engage in self-care. Self-care mm-hmm. is huge. And this is for literally everyone and everything. Um, I hope all your listeners are engaging in self-care. Yeah. But um, yeah, just it comes down to self-care, which includes therapy. I, I do have a therapist. Um, I do also suffer from severe anxiety, you know. So um, it, talking to therapists helps and like my friends and then just doing self-care things like hiking and reading and running. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So for those looking to get into this field, um just know what to expect, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Expect the unexpected, expect, a lot of, yeah. uh, a, I would say like a roller coaster of emotions because mm-hmm. say you find something out, you're going to get mad or mm-hmm. get mad and sad because yeah. you're going to be like, why would they do that to him? Or like, I knew it and things like that. Mm-hmm. So expect that. But what makes you keep going? Is it those, like you said, like being able to help them mm-hmm. is, is that cause what keeps you going? Cause I know it's hard. Yeah. I mean, I think it's definitely rewarding when, mm-hmm. You know, um, when they thank you for, I mean, it's hard, right? It's really hard, especially like, um, like with this one student that's, you know, with, uh, that I had to call CPS on and everything, 
But at the end of the day, like two weeks later, she thanked me because she was like, I feel safe now. Like mm -hmm. I'm safe. And so thank you. And um, it's not just me, right? I have a team that I work with, like my supervisor and um, my my partner there. So other social workers really supportive. And so, um, but yeah, it's just rewarding when they, you know, sometimes I have students call me out of nowhere and they're like, Ari, I got the job. Like that oh, I've been dang. trying to help them find for two months now because they're homeless and they have to take care of themselves at 16. Mm -hmm. And so um, those moments are awesome when they call me and I could just cry and you know yeah yeah and so they're like thank you thank you but well i appreciate the things you do i know because i know we don't see everything mm -hmm. you know what i mean like mm -hmm. we see this person gets abused like a netflix documentary but there's thousands of kids mm -hmm. that this happens to whether it be like elementary all the way to high school mm -hmm. it's not just like that area even yeah. even adults like mm -hmm. it, it's not I, I know we had cassandra on and right. she talked about mm -hmm. her, her her abuse and stuff like it, it can go on and on mm -hmm. You know, so I, I think the best thing people can do is if you're older, you know, reach out to somebody, talk to somebody. That's uh, what Cassandra said. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. just talk about it because uh, I, I love how she she said love shouldn't hurt. Right. You know, and yeah. she was constantly getting beat and, you know, which I don't know how guys do that. But anyways, mm -hmm. that's not. Yeah. So I know you were in Washington for COVID. What, <laughs> what, when did they shut down Washington? Did they shut it down at the same time where they're like, hey, everything's going to shut down? Yeah, like it was like March 3rd or something of 2020. W yeah. When did it hit you that you're like, oh shit, this is this is like real? March 3rd of 2020. <laughs> really, <laughs> that day? Just because that's when school shut down and that's where I was working. So mm -hmm. I was like, I'm, I have to work from home, like out of school? What? That doesn't make any sense. Like how do I, and that was the whole thing too. Like all these kids, you know, I think... Um, the CPS reports went down during COVID because everyone was at home. You know, a lot of uh, people who make CPS calls are educators. And since the kids weren't in schools, you know, they went down because um, those calls weren't being made, which means the kids were being home with like being abused, neglected, whatever, whatever it is that was going on. Um, and so, yeah, that, that's when it just got real for me. Like that just really sucked. Mm -hmm. I think I thought of my kids the most, um, like, a lot of them rely on school to eat. So, it's like, dang, how are they going to eat at home? Like, yeah, it's just crazy. Dang. And being stuck at home all day during this time, it could potentially be worse for them. Mm -hmm. Because they're yeah. sitting there getting abused even more. Mm -hmm. And now now it's their fault that they have to be home. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, you know how some parents will blame them. Mm -hmm. Did you feel like there was a lot more going on? Like, when you were talking? Because yeah. I don't know how it worked. Did you, like, FaceTime the kids? or No, um... Now, like, the first few months, we weren't even allowed to just have an individual Zoom session with the kids. Um, and so that's what was hard because we didn't know what was going on. Like, we weren't getting any referrals. Like, a lot, especially now, a lot of the kids, like, are just so, they're not engaged in school. We don't know where they're at, what they're doing, if they're okay, if they're not okay. Um, and so that's, that's. That's what's been hard, you know. We don't, we just don't know mm -hmm. what's going on. Yeah. So you you haven't been to the back to the school yet. I ha um actually in Seattle um this coming Monday is our first day back in the building with the students. So that's gonna be interesting. I'm I'm like how long has curious. it been since you've been in school? A year. A year. A year. And same with the kids. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Same with the students. They've been out of school for a year, and we're all going back Monday. Dang. Yeah. Uh, I feel like. 
being there at home for so long is probably, I don't know what happened because I feel like a lot of people, divorce rates went up, like Mm -hmm. abuse rates. I'm sure they they went up just because people are home all the time. Mm -hmm. So did they close, they closed down Seattle, right? Where you're at, Mm -hmm. you guys couldn't do anything. Were you guys, Mm -hmm. was the COVID cases bad there? Yeah, I mean, I think the first case was there. It was literally like 20, 25 minutes away from where I lived, the first COVID case in the U.S. Um, And then I think it started in Seattle. And I don't know if you remember, but Seattle was a place that it was like worse. And it was because it started there and it started to spread there. Um, And so they, yeah, they shut down everything completely. Like you couldn't drive (laughs) like I mean you could drive right but like if it was a certain hour like whatever you could potentially get pulled over Mm -hmm. because you're not supposed to be out or going to places Um, yeah I mean everything was close so where are you going (laughs) yeah exactly yeah Yeah, (laughs) but like like if you're visiting friends or whatever you know you uh, weren't supposed to do that you weren't supposed to be doing that yeah I don't know if you heard of the COVID parties they were having in Rexburg my gosh no yeah they were having uh people were we're getting tired of not being able to go out and do things. So they're like, they knew someone who had COVID and they would all get together and hang out. So everyone would get infected that way they could just get over it and move on. But that was dumb because not only are you infecting, you don't know when you got it. So Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure some of them went and (laughs) like hung out with other people and parents. So Rexburg was actually a really like, I think top in the U S with COVID cases because that's what they were doing. Crazy. What do you think about COVID? Do you think it's as bad as people say, or do you think it's not as bad as people say? Um, or do you think it's just all a big government play? I don't know, man. <laughs> I am mixed between the three. <laughs> like, I definitely think like it could be bad for vulnerable people who have like you know um, what is it called, like the diseases or like illnesses. Like underlying yeah, health yeah, disease. yeah, yeah, um, and uh, like older adults. But I think, like, if I were to get it, I'm fine. You know, I'm not, I wouldn't be, I mean, and I know there are, like, healthy 20-something-year-olds who have died from COVID. Um, but I'm not totally, like, freaked out about getting it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but I am freaked out, like, if my parents got it, right? So, but yeah, I think it's, like, it's a whole, it's, like, I think we feel like the government, too, could be lying about the numbers mm-hmm. of a COVID to just freak people out. Like, yeah. I, you know, that shit runs through my mind too. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. I mean, we may never know, but mm-hmm. I mean, I haven't gotten it either. I'm part yeah. of the, I, I joke about it all the time. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm part of the elite. Like, yeah. The, I haven't gotten it yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, me But either. you never know. You could have gotten it. Right. And not have shown and, symptoms. Yeah. And yeah. not even known. I haven't gotten tested or anything like that to check to see if I have. Mm-hmm. So I know we all, we're all going through COVID, right? Mm-hmm. And then, uh, I forgot the date, my bad. I, yeah. I forgot the date that it happened, but where were you when you saw the whole George Floyd video? Oh, man. I was, I think I was home, because I think it happened when, it, like... During COVID. Yeah, yeah. So I was home. Um, I think I was living in, because I, now I live somewhere else than when I was a year ago, but I was, like, in North Seattle. Um yeah, I was home with my roommates who were also like two, three of them were social workers also. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. What, what did you think of the video? Like when you first saw it? I mean, it was shocking, you mm-hmm. know, like crazy, messed up, sad, like, and it sucks because at the same time, it's like, you're not even surprised anymore, which is shitty. Like yeah. how, yeah, 
And so heartbreaking. Yeah, because I remember, I mean, you were posting some stories that you would go to some of the protests. In Seattle, yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. And didn't they get bad there at one yeah, point? Yeah, oh my gosh, yeah. We had the Chop Cha Zone, which is the um, when they occupied the little zone in Seattle. It's mm-hmm. it's on Capitol Hill, it's what it's called, um, by this park there, Cal Anderson Park. Um, and so that's kind of like, but, but the media is crazy. The media was saying all these things about Seattle, like... That there were uh, there was like a warlord, a warlord that people were walking around with rifles and like making people like check their IDs and um, none of that was happening <laughs> like at all and it's crazy because my parents would call me and be like are you okay oh my god what's mm-hmm. happening and it, it the media is just and especially um, conservative media mm-hmm. <laughs> like Fox News. Oh my God. Like it was almost like comedy what they were writing and like posting mm-hmm. because it was so far from the truth and so many people were believing it. But especially like in terms of like Chop and Chaz Zone, it was so peaceful, you know? Like it was literally like a community that came together and truly like Seattle has um, a huge homeless crisis and there was, there's a lot of homeless folk running, you know, like walking around. And so the community came together and they got medics, like medics to provide medical services for these folks who never get it or just like in general for the community. They had food for the community, art. Um, they had like a place where you can come in and sit down and have conversations about these issues like racism and um, uh, the police and defunding the police and abolition and all these things, right? And, uh, you know, so I mean, I, I understand, right? The, especially the people who lived in the buildings who are all like rich white folk but I can see why it would get annoying when their own neighborhood is just like occupied right mm-hmm. there's yeah and uh you know there's like tents everywhere because people were just sleeping there um and that's the thing that's messed up like it's they see a tent or they see homeless people sleeping on the streets and it's like you're that mad that you want to call the cops on them to mm-hmm. like like just you, just so you can go play frisbee with your dog at the park like for what you know it's just like um yeah I don't know but it was nice and then there was also like mental health services I was also part of this um group where we could provide help and mental health aid to because there were you know times where um a person experiencing homelessness would freak out and like we would have to go and de-escalate them or Mm -hmm. whatever um but yeah, like mental health services, medical services, food, like all these for community, like in community for folks that usually don't get that are the most oppressed and vulnerable. Um, and that's not, I didn't see any of that in the media. I didn't see them talking about any of that. So, so while you guys, the protests, I mean, I mean, you didn't go to all of them, you know, you weren't mm-hmm. there all the time, but did they ever get some sort of like violent in any way? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. All of them did. I, um, I got a, I was there once when they threw the smoke, smoky thingies, Um, mm -hmm. but, and the flashbangs, but I was far enough away for those. Um, and, uh, like people, I, you know, people around me were getting hit with rubber bullets and things like that. Thankfully I never got hit. Um, and I was able to run. Um, and then just, I mean, I had so many friends that went to, I mean, I tried to be there almost at all of them. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, but the ones I couldn't be, you know, a lot of my friends went too, and some of them did get like pepper sprayed or hit with rubber bullets. And, um, so 
like you being there who who was instigating those like for them to be violent against each other was it the protesters or was it the police trying to just yeah i mean it was just the police like it, it's crazy it, it was it was a police for sure i mean we were i would um at a lot of them i like to be i liked to be at the front so i would always be like right at the front of the protest and thousands of people right so it, it goes back like the tail was hella long um but yeah they don't even like they just like they they just I think got mad because the cops are like standing and then there's kind of like a little fenced border in front of them and then the protesters on the other side and um yeah like the protesters maybe just get too close they never hit um they never like spit on spit at them or whatever and then like out of nowhere they start just um flashbangs and things or because like there's a curfew quote-unquote set in place mm -hmm. you know and if you're protesting and you're out past that curfew then they can come in and do all these things but the crazy is like the crazy thing is that each cop there covered their name badge and their number and they turned off their cameras and it's like why for what and the mayor said no the cops are actually not gonna turn on off their cameras anymore they're gonna show their name and their badge number and they're not at all gonna use force they're not gonna use flashbangs or rubber bullets any of that but they still did all of that like it yeah it's um it's uh, crazy and i don't know if you heard about the adam toledo thing no that just happened it was a 13 year old in chicago that oh where he got shot right mm -hmm, his hands were up literally and he still got shot and killed by a police officer did you see the video so, i did so what happened i know i saw like people sharing it because mm -hmm. th this happened with the george floyd for me mm -hmm. so what happened is like people were sharing it and you know how like sometimes when a video is trending you keep mm -hmm. seeing it i didn't know what it was but i kept seeing like uh the cover or a little bit of it and i'm like uh whatever mm -hmm. uh, whatever yeah but then like it, it was just like over and over mm -hmm. and over and, and i finally watched it so that's what actually has been happening right now i I saw his name i didn't really pay mm -hmm. attention i saw it and then i keep seeing it now mm -hmm. so what happened he, I don't know, I guess, I mean, all from what I saw in the video, he was running away from the cop, and the cop's kind of telling him to stop, um, and then Adam turns around, kind of, and, like, as he's turning around, the cop is like, put your hands up, put your hands up, but he doesn't even give him a second, like, to put his hands up, he just shoot, put your hands up, shoot, kills him, you know, and it's like, um, he didn't have a gun, and his, his hands were literally raised, like, the picture of him is there where they're raised, um, mm -hmm. And it's just, it's messed up. And I'm a big believer that we should defund the police. Um, a lot of people, when they hear that, they think, like, they, you know, it's just a lot of misconceptions. It doesn't mean we're going to, I personally would eventually like to abolish the, the system, the police system. I think in order for there to be true liberation and transformation, we got to just build it from new um, but when you, when you talk about defunding the police, it's literally, cause they're making like so much fucking money. Like there's no reason for you to be making this much money when our people are sleeping on the streets, mm -hmm. you know? And so when we talk about defunding the police, it's taking funds from their funds and like, um, investing into the community, more social workers, more peer support workers, more counselors, more librarians, education right now, it, public education is trash more you know put that money into education um and uh it's just um a lot of people don't really see it that way mm -hmm. because they think cops are kind of there to deter the the crime and to kind of um save people or be heroes or whatever 
Um, but the reality is like they are often reacting, like instead of being proactive, they're being reactive to the situation. And that's what cops are for, kind of. Um, so when you talk about like maybe there's a shooting in a neighborhood, right, the cops come and then their strategy then is to patrol the neighborhood more. Mm-hmm. And so they, they patrol, they patrol, they patrol. But but in the in these patrols, maybe they catch like a drug deal or two or whatever, you know, and that just incarcerates more black and brown folk. Um, where if we fund people like social workers and counselors and actually put the money into education, we can prevent, these are proactive strategies, we can prevent the crime um, because a lot of people who commit the crimes don't have any other option or choice, right? They're doing it because they need to feed their family, they need to survive, they need to um, take care of their family. And so, you know, a lot of them never had that opportunity to learn. A lot of them never don't know any other life besides the hood life, right? Mm-hmm. Like, they, that's all they saw. That th- that's all they grew up with. That's all they're going to do. Um, and so, you know, you, you incorporate social workers and, like, you fund education properly. You can give them more opportunities to, to grow and to do better, especially. Yeah, that's why I love working with young people because they're our future. You can... Um, you can empower them to be something more and like to do something more other than just surviving. Because when I think of people doing crimes and um, yeah, just like crime ridden neighborhoods, quote unquote, for me, that's survival. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, yeah. So I'm going to play both sides here. Yeah. What, if you take funds from the police, they take, uh, they obviously got to lay people (laughs) off, you know, they're not going to be able to pay for everything. You don't think crime will go up then? I, just because where we're at right now. Because mm-hmm. you, you can't just like fund social workers mm-hmm. and there is going to work right away. It mm-hmm. takes time. Like mm-hmm. obviously you, you mentioned it earlier. It takes time to get to know people. And even if they're adults already, it, it just like it's really hard. I think it's harder to get to an adult because mm-hmm. they already have like this is the way it's going right. to be. Mm-hmm. So you don't think crime would go up? I think, um, I don't know the answer to that question, because I think when people think defund the police or like abolishment of the system, Mm -hmm. they think it's just done, cut it, done. And like everyone's running loose with their heads cut off Mm -hmm. and like no one knows what the fuck's going to be happening and like, oh, hell breaks loose. But there's really, really, really intelligent minds and people and scholars, black and brown folk who been studying this and doing this work for decades right Mm -hmm. they have the answers they they i don't know i don't have the answers now but if you look into some of these people's work you know um they they have like uh specific strategies um it's not just a disorganized thing like these people have been studying abolishment or whatever for a long time they know kind of mas o menos what to do you know Mm -hmm. Um, the, their ideas are there and they're, they're smart intellectuals, you know, and that's, that's the thing that I think a lot of people don't understand that it's just, oh, it's just going to, we're going to cut this funding and we're going to like abolish the system and that's it. Like no one else knows anything or has the answers. Mm -hmm. Um, but there's actually people who've been doing research for literally decades and decades about this, these kind of topics. And you don't feel like that'll take too long? To like, do you mean to like implement? Yeah. Um, I don't know. Honestly, I, I have no idea. I mean, I think a lot of it is like, um, I think 
it, if it does ever happen, it's I I don't think I'll live to see it. Right. I think if it happens, it'll, it won't be for a really long time just because of where we're at and everyone's mentalities and, um, the, yeah, just like, I think I heard you say in one of your podcasts that you, I think you were, you were talking about voting and you were like, I don't like either of them, Biden or Trump, you know? Mm-hmm. And I was, I'm the same way. And even now, like, Biden's not even following through on whatever he promised, right? Yeah. Um, and so a lot of it is like politics and voting for your locals. That's kind of where it starts at your your local area because by the time you get to voting for the president, it's too late. Like, you know, you have these people in the electoral college deciding for you, but it starts with the local reps. You vote for your local rep who votes for the Senate, who votes for the House, whatever, and then from there you can um uh, you know, kind of make it, a change, right? Yeah. So, what makes you think that, or not makes you think, but why do you think that they haven't defunded the police yet? Because since you're you're saying that we have all these like uh, scholars that know <laughs> mm-hmm. what they're doing, they've done the research. If we have these, how come they haven't you know implemented that yet? I just feel like a big thing is like white supremacy, right? The police. Um, were originally founded and started to hunt uh, black folk in, back in the days. That's why they were um, black and Native American uh, people. That's why they were created. Um, they were called like the slave catchers or something. I forgot what they were called. Um, but that was their sole job was to catch runaway slaves and bring them either back to, if they didn't kill them, bring them back to their owners. Um, and so when you think about those kinds of things, it's the same ideals that kind of come into play, like the white supremacy of the system, the power that goes into it. Um, because if you really truly think about it, it's like, how do they just have the power to kill? And it's fine. Mm -hmm. And no one questions it. It It literally makes no sense to me just because they are a police officer. They didn't get any other training. I mean, obviously, like, I'm not gonna speak because I don't know about it because I don't know what they train or what, you know, they teach them. Um, but yeah, I just, I think it's, it's the white supremacy culture that's literally embedded in every single thing that you could probably think of. Mm -hmm. Um, and until we, you know, find some answers for that. And I mean, they are out there, but, uh, till we work through that, you know, it's, I think huge. Yeah, so I have a question for you as well, because, I mean, I've been a victim of, uh, you know, racism, and mm-hmm. I'm sure you have as well, mm-hmm. too. They, they supposedly got rid of, you know, segregation back in the day, right? And mm-hmm. it, it hasn't even been that long, if you actually think about it. You know, it happened, it was happening during, like, when did, do you know when they... It was in the 50s, too. I think there was... um it was still happening then, you know? Yeah, and it, it ha- has, that's not that long ago. It's not that long ago. You know, there's still people, plenty of people alive from that day. Mm-hmm. So what makes you think, or like, why Why do you think there's still a bunch of racism going on now? Like, we're in 2021. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it's a society mm-hmm. and um, people just preferring white people over people of color and I see it in my culture you know I'm brown I'm Mm -hmm. darker skinned than most and there's colorism within the Latino culture too you know um and so white supremacy also plagues um communities of color it's not just white folk that you know um display that 
And so um, I don't know why. I think actually, I, have you ever seen Hate Thy Neighbor on Hulu? Mm-mm. It's a good show because it's a guy who interviews racists and it's like, uh, or extremist. Um, and so it's a lot of like, like there's this one woman on the show. It's a family. They hate Jewish. They, they hate anyone that's not white, mm-hmm. um, but especially Jewish folk. Um, and so they're really big on like Nazis and things like that. And the guy that was interviewing the mom literally had her baby in her hand and was like, so if there was a bunch of Jewish kids that are your baby's age, like just Jewish children, you would just want to kill them. And she's like, kill them all. I don't give a fuck. Like kill every single one of them, kill every single, you know? And it's like, and then like the little kid, the boy who's like eight comes home from school and he has a swastika drawn on a paper. Like it's, it starts there, right? Like the parents and like pass down to their kids. And, um, so I think it's a bunch of like the fam. And then I think with Trump being in office, he kind of, gave it the okay to it for it to be more prevalent and more visible um and so a lot of the closeted races kind of came out because they saw trump being doing it and nothing happened being okay so they were like i i'm gonna do it too then mm. um so i mean like i said, mentioned earlier it's happened to me it's happened to mm-hmm. you it's happened to thousands of people like racism do you do you think that we've just gotten like almost numb to it that we just whatever you know, because like yeah. it, it, it happens so much. Like yeah. uh, I was talking to Brianna. She's her podcast is going to come out on uh, this coming Monday. Mm-hmm. Super cool girl. She's doing a lot, you know, and I told her about my little race, like what happened. And she's like, oh, my God, that happened here. I'm like, yeah, it wasn't even that long ago. Mm-hmm. And I even told her, I was like, just because it doesn't happen to you doesn't mean it's not happening. Right. And sometimes now that I have a platform, I can tell people mm-hmm. that that happened to me or else I probably just would have forgot about it because mm-hmm. it's normal sometimes when i'm walking the i've I've had the people switch the purse you know like acting like i'm gonna do like why yeah. would i walk by and like snatch your purse like just yeah. because i'm hispanic and have tattoos like, yeah i'm more than likely gonna protect you if something happened mm-hmm. rather than do something to you you know yeah. do you think we're just like numb to it now like it, it, it happens all the time um I I think it can be that case. I mean, um, me personally, like I think I think it was just like when I was serving, I was a server, a guy. I served a man and his wife, and he would they're white, and he uh, he just kind of is looking at the menu, won't even look at me, and then finally he looks at me and he was like, "Do you guys serve?" He was like, "What's that dish called?" That's for St. Patrick's Day. It's like a really famous dish. That's what he asked me, and I was like. I don't, I don't know. And then I was like, but this is a Mexican restaurant. And so we don't serve that here probably. And then he's just like, never mind. You don't look like you're from here. You don't look like you would even speak the language. So why am I even asking you? And then he looks at his wife. He's like, honey, what's that one dish? Whatever. And I was just like, whatever, asshole. Like, but it's like, um, and it was in front of a lot of people, right? Like other people were sitting down eating too. Mm. Um, but it's like, I don't, I don't know. Maybe I am numb to it, you know, because it's really fucked up when I think about it. But it's at the moment you you get kind of shocked. Like, why would you yeah. do that? But then afterwards, you're like, oh, OK, whatever. Yeah. You know, you just kind of brush it off. It may affect you may, a few days. Yeah. You think about it. But if you don't have you, you can tell your friends that mm-hmm. it happened. But then it kind of just stays there. Yeah. You know, not a lot of people get to know. Mm-hmm. But it happens all the time. Like it happens all the time to me. Like, so also picture this, like, say you have a kid that's going to go into kindergarten, right? This is me. I'm talking about myself. Mm -hmm. 
my mom had to tell me that at one at some point they're gonna start treating me like just because of my skin they're gonna tra- treat me differently mm-hmm. like i remember that conversation like i'm like why mm-hmm. you know because i'm why would they treat me differently but at that time you don't know yeah like you don't know and then later on you, you start finding out um like kids start saying stuff to you like oh you're like really dark mm-hmm. you know and like mm-hmm. and then you start feeling different yeah you know what i mean like you start feeling different you're like oh well i think i am different yeah you know and then during that time also i had a cleft palate which was worse at the time mm-hmm. so like my face was kind of messed up so i would get picked on because of that too like my nose was misshaped it was like mm-hmm. a little crooked and you know so like not only was i being bullied about that like i was also like they would tell me mm-hmm. like, or let it be known that I was Brown. Right. You know, like, mm-hmm. so technically, I mean, would you consider that being kind of racist? For sure. Yeah. I mean, it's like not, it's, it's just, and like you, this is something white folk don't understand, but this is probably something you would understand what I'm about to say, but it's literally like when you're about to walk into a building and maybe it's not the case because, um, of Idaho and it's so predominantly white here but when I'm about to walk in somewhere that's the first thing I think of like how many people are going to be in this room are going to be white how many are going to be like my color how many are going to be black and if they're all white are they going to treat me differently are they going to like think that I'm like stupid like or when I would go into interviews you know I'd be like they're going to think I'm dumb if I like I would try so hard not to mess up on any words because I'm like the second I mess up I feel like um they're just going to blame it on me being Mexican. Like, and then you add in the intersection of me being a a woman, also a woman of color. It's, it's a harder, but, um, yeah. So I think that's, that's just with everything. Like it, it's always there. It's always present in our minds as people of color. Mm -hmm. When you go anywhere, that's the first thing. And then like earlier, like what you said, the, you want to gravitate towards people who mm-hmm. look like you, right? Who And then we look bad because we do that. Right. Yeah. And so, yeah, if I walk into a room and like there's two receptionists and one was white and one's a POC, I'm going to the one that's a POC, right? I'm mm-hmm. not going to, like, I just, I think the trust there for myself with white folk, um, it's just not there. Like I, I have a really, really hard time trusting white people. Um, and, uh, I only have like two white friends, I think right now. Mm-hmm. And they're awesome. They're social workers. They're amazing. And I love them to death. Um, but other than that, there's not a lot of, I guess, white people in my life. <laughs> yeah. See, yeah. like I have plenty doing this. I got to meet a bunch of people mm-hmm. and you get to see that not everyone is like that. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. For those people listening, like it does happen. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, so treat your kids right. <laughs> yeah. I had a, t- last year at an elementary school I worked at, I had a teacher because we were, I was working on starting an equity team there, which is means we just give racial cultural trainings to staff and things like that. But it was a school where 80% of the students were students of color. Mm-hmm. Um, and this teacher was white and she literally said like, cause when we started talking about this, these things, these conversations, she was like, Oh my God, wait, like, racism still exists yeah. like she was so serious and i was so shocked that i even heard th- this was just last year and this was this woman she's probably in her like she's probably around my age mid to late 20s um and she's white obviously but she was like racism still exists like she was like like my students like my kids are go, go through that and their families and all this and mm-hmm. i'm like wow yeah the ignorance and bless her heart she wasn't coming from a malintentioned place yeah 
but it's still shocking that people don't even know it still exists. It was crazy to me. Yeah, that's why I always preach. I'm like, just because it doesn't happen to you. Mm-hmm. And it sucks to say, but I'm mainly talking to white people. Yeah. Just because I never, I don't like saying, I don't like saying the N-word. I don't like mm-hmm. saying like even <laughs> spick or beaner. I don't like saying yeah. those just because I don't like using those words. Mm-hmm. And just because it doesn't happen to them you know like it it's always happening to us whether it be just like something small like switching a purse like why would you why would you is it because i'm brown or like mm-hmm. did i look like i was gonna steal from you or like well, right. why did you switch your purse to the mm-hmm. other side like i wasn't gonna do anything yeah. i was just walking down the, the, the sidewalk mm-hmm. you know or just like i said we were out shooting photos and someone just decided to yell some yeah. racial slurs for mm-hmm. no reason like i literally did nothing to him mm-hmm. like nothing yeah i was just there mm-hmm. So, I mean, it, it's, I don't, I don't think it'll end mm-hmm. because there's always those people, like you said, it's, it's taught at home, uh, you know, and it, and it sucked. I'm pretty sure it sucked for my parents having to tell, I don't know if they told my other siblings, but I know for mm-hmm. a fact, my mom told me mm-hmm. that they were going to treat me differently just because of my skinny, mm-hmm. you know, I'm like, why would you want to tell your kid that? Mm-hmm. But it, it sucks. And it, and it sucks for all the kids that I know that are like mm-hmm. little, like Andy's kids. And yeah, because they're, they're a little bit darker, especially yeah. Alani's. Alani is a, I, I'm trying to have those conversations with them now too. Like I talked to Maya and Xander, mm-hmm. my niece and nephew who are like eight and Alani's four and Avi's two. Yeah. And, um, and it, and it yeah. sucks. And it's because you can't protect them from everything. Mm-hmm. You know, it's going to happen eventually. Yeah, and then sure. they're probably going to, you can only prepare them for it. Mm hmm. You know, if they're more prepared for it, maybe it won't affect them as much. But like, oh, I like how you brought that up earlier. So when I was in high school, right, I would hang around with uh, all the Hispanic kids and stuff like that. We didn't have any African-American kids at our school mm. that that I know of. I'm not. But one came from Atlanta, right? He moved out here from Atlanta. It was like a he was like a spectacle. Like everybody was like, oh, my God, you see, we have a black kid. We have a black kid. I'm like, so. Mm-hmm. Like, why is it a huge thing that we have like a black and they're calling him the black. I was like, mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure he has a name. Yeah. And and it's funny because uh, I had PE with him and he, he like, so like he gravitated towards me, obviously, mm-hmm. you know, and he's like, why is everyone looking at me? And I was like, it's because yep. your skin, man. Yeah. Like, that, basically it. Like, yeah. Because if he would have been just, you know, lighter skin, just like, or another Hispanic there would have just been like, oh, right, wouldn't affect them that much, but since he was like one of the first African American kids, mm-hmm. like it was like everybody, everyone knew, like yeah. it was like a whole spectacle. And I'm mm-hmm. like, and and parents don't get to see that at home, you know, they don't get to see that. They don't get to see like when I'm walking down the hallway and someone just yells, "Hey, you fucking spig," mm-hmm. and then you turn around and it just people walking like normal, like it didn't even affect other people, mm-hmm. you know, they they would just yell it out. And then, like, you look back to see who it's who said it, because mm-hmm. it, it's it's frustrating. Mm-hmm. Like when you get called like a, a spick or fucking Mexican for no reason, like no reason yeah. at all. Yeah, and like kids are doing it. Like last year out of the elementary school, I had a fifth grader um, who's who she was black, and um, there was like four other white four, uh, fifth graders. They surrounded her in the library, literally enclosed her in a circle. Um, where she was trapped in the middle and they said the n-word to her the heart with the hard r repeatedly mm-hmm. just n-word 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 to her face she was crying and asking them to stop didn't stop they kept doing it mm-hmm. librarian saw it didn't do anything she told cool. the principal they didn't do anything they waited until the next day that i got there at like 2 p.m 
to tell me so I could do something like can you talk to them can like can you like um can you do something about it and so like it's just shitty like how are you and the only reason actually the principal found out because the parents called her um and let her know what happened and that the student was really upset but it's still happening now and when when I spoke to the boys you know they didn't they were like remorseful especially because we did more of like a restorative circle restorative practices is huge in school right now which is more where we kind of sit down with both the person who caused the harm and the person to where the harm was caused. And we kind of just ask them all a set of questions. What happened? What were you thinking? What were you feeling at the time? And it kind of helps put into perspective their experiences. Um, and so the boys at the end of the day were really remorseful, but they didn't know. They didn't, mm -hmm. they didn't know what slavery was. Like I had to teach them everything from day one, like about like just slavery and what the N word means and why it's such a bad word and why black people can say it, but why, and nobody else can say it, you know? And it's crazy to me that in fifth grade, they didn't know this, Yeah, you know? And it's like the curriculums, right. And education, like all that shit matters too. It's all white. It's all white. Mm. Um, and it's just really sad. And, and, um, and, and, yeah. and it's little things too. Uh, I remember, uh this guy over i'm not gonna put him on blast but he asked me he asked me what my name is and i was like oh edgar he's like i'm not even gonna ask you for your last name because i know it's probably like four or five names and i can't pronounce them i'm like it's cortez <laughs> yeah yeah and i'm like is that hard to say like mm -hmm. i literally i got upset because i'm like why would you assume that i have like five names right that's and, a microaggression that's what that's called yeah, yeah. and mm -hmm. uh and he and he gives like s slight jabs at me mm-hmm him thinking it's funny but i'm like dude that's racist like yeah exactly so like yeah. i'll say something back i won't be racist back but i'll give him like a sly remark back mm -hmm. and i know he gets upset mm -hmm. and uh <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you off camera what happened yeah. well, i don't want to i don't want to put it on blast because <laughs> yeah. i'll be like you actually told him that but yeah, is he white yeah 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 of but course. like little things like that um you know trust me we notice yeah like oh we, for sure just because we don't say anything notice. yeah <laughs> yeah and he uh the same person got upset because so there's a guy there he only speaks spanish right mm -hmm. he understands a little bit of english so i was talking to him in the the white guy in english because i was asking him and he asked me something cool like if you talk to me i'm gonna talk to you like mm -hmm. and no this was like after that you know this other guy comes that he only speaks spanish and he asked me a question and i go to answer him and then uh, I didn't think anything of it. And then I just went and did my thing. Later on, this guy pulled me aside. He's like, hey, I didn't like how you were talking to me in English. And then you started talking to him in Spanish. I was like, I felt left out. I was like, I was answering him a question. I was like, and he doesn't speak English. Mm -hmm. You know, I was like, and like he got, he's like, I just want you to know I got upset about that. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, cool. He's like, yeah, just please don't let it happen again. I was like, I'm going to keep talking to him in Spanish. Uh, yeah. I'm like, you can stay upset. That's yeah. cool. <laughs> and I, and I told some and other people got upset cause he got up. Like he was upset that I was speaking Spanish to somebody that doesn't speak very English very well. Mm -hmm. So he asked me a question on something. Of course, I'm going to answer to him in Spanish. The mm -hmm. the language he understands, I'm not going to answer him in English and right. have him decipher what I said, you know, like, uh, so those people listening, it's like little things like that, that mm -hmm. you, you guys, the last name thing like why would you assume that yeah. i have like five last like five last names yeah and like, i heard you say like 
I I wasn't racist back. And I just want to let you know right now, you cannot be racist towards white people. That is a huge thing. Like white people think like, no, that doesn't, it's reverse racism isn't real because in order for it to be racism, the race as a whole had to have been oppressed Mm -hmm. and vulnerable and like discriminated against. Last I, last time I checked, white the white white race has never had that happen to them. So we can't be racist towards them, but they are racist towards us because we are a race that's been oppressed mm-hmm. and you know vulnerable and like. Yeah, yeah. and people listening to this, if this makes this conversation makes you a little uncomfortable, it should. Yeah, you know because it does happen. Like it happened mm-hmm. to me and, and thousands of other kids mm-hmm. in elementary, in middle school, high school. I'm 32 years old and it still happens. Like, yeah. So, mm-hmm. like, it, I'm not lying about it. And other people that talk about it, we're not lying about it. Just because uh, some people don't have the platform or the means to tell people what happened mm-hmm. doesn't mean it's not happening. You know, it, it could be like, wh- what did you say it was? Like, just like little things. Oh, uh, microaggression? Yeah. Yeah, those are huge. They, they're big. They're, yeah, and like, that's what we eventually that leads here. to like something mm-hmm. worse. And mm-hmm. if, if he were ever to tell me something like super bad, I'd be like, dude, you need to chill out or yeah. else like i'm not afraid to hurt an old man you know <laughs> yeah, <too>. exactly <laughs> but i'm glad we, we were able to have this conversation that we can people can listen to and i'm glad you gotta explain the, the whole social working just mm-hmm. because the, people go into that field mm-hmm. you know and it, it's not always like mm-hmm. rewarding mm-hmm. but there is big rewards at the end if you stick to it it's a lot of emotions mm-hmm. that go on through it and you know i'm glad i was able to talk with somebody else about racism because mm-hmm. i it's hard to talk racism with someone who's not the same. Right. You know, it's, mm-hmm. if I'm brown and someone's white, it's 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 hard. It's yeah. I, I can only explain to you what has happened to me and whether they take it seriously or not. I don't know. But yeah. if I if I tell you what happened, you're like, oh, I believe it. Yeah. I, because it's happened to you. Yeah. You know. Yeah, and there's beauty in the discomfort. I feel like mm-hmm. with um. You have to have with white people, right? Because like you grow when you grow, like that's what it is. You're uncomfortable, right? Like, I I don't think um, being uncomfortable is a bad thing. And and I've had my fair share. There's times where I've microaggressed other people. You know, I'll, I'll admit to that. Yeah, and yeah. like people come and they tell me, and like I'm like fuck. But the only way to grow is to get your ego bruised, and that's what happened. Yeah. Um, and so it's there's nothing wrong with being uncomfortable. And, um, like just sitting with that discomfort to help you grow, um, because I, that's otherwise how we'll change yeah. come, you know? And, and I tell, I mean, I put our people on blast all the time. Cause I mean, there are those that say bad stuff about, you know, other races too. I'm like, mm-hmm. Hey, if you don't yep. want nothing bad to happen to you or like them talk about bad about you, you got to do be the same way. Mm-hmm. You can't be like, Oh, well it's fine for me, but not okay for him. No. Like. Yeah, I, I never say anything bad about anybody's race mm-hmm. just because that's not me. That's not like mm-hmm. I have a hard time, like, well, not a hard time. I don't say the mm-hmm. N word at all. Right. You know what I mean? Like even uh, some people will say it like it's part of their slang. It's never I've always felt like that word is bad. Mm-hmm. You know, those words, even what they call white people. You know, I I don't like to say those because that's not me. Yeah. Does that make sense? Right. Yeah. And like, no, that's good, though, because there is a lot of anti-blackness in the Latino culture in the, you know, just like any cultures. Right. I mean, I think black I think we can all agree black people are the most oppressed. Mm-hmm. Um, and so just being cognizant of that, too, that like us as Latino folk, what are we doing to um, keep our anti-blackness in check and really 
working on being like an anti-racist um and uh yeah yeah because like i said i I, i'm i put our people on blast too like because not all of us are perfect Mm -hmm. i'm not perfect either i'm not saying like uh i've never said anything been microaggressive or anything like that but i try my best like not to say anything that you know what i mean like mm-hmm. and plus i don't i don't hate them like that i don't mm-hmm. you know i'm not anti-black white anything like if if i think you're cool i, I go based off personal if i think you're cool you're cool if, right. if i think you're an asshole you're, you're an, an asshole, asshole. Yeah. i don't care what color you are yeah you know like if you're an asshole you're an asshole yeah but i want to thank you for coming on yeah. i had an awesome conversation with you and it's been forever since we we sat know, down and talked for real. and or seen each other too i think did you come New Year's? I the last time I came was last July, so it's been a minute. Oh, July yeah. for the fourth. I don't know if I saw you then. Yeah. We're gonna take some photos now. But cool. Yeah. Thank, thank you, for, you so much for having me. No, thank you for coming I on. The and conversation. We're gonna have yeah. to do it again. And mm-hmm. uh, next time, I want to bring like uh, B as well because oh, I know yes. she does a lot. I she know, would have amazing conversations. And with I know you've grown up with you too. Yeah, yeah. 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 So I think that would be cool. So next time. We'll get everybody in here. Yeah. Cool. Mm-hmm. All right. Dope, thank, dope. thank you guys for listening. Catch you guys in the next video. Sin embargo, no me canso. Sigo dando palo. Vamos a pegar un día de esto pa' salir del bar. No te pongas triste. Esto es un flow universal. Hice lo que dijo Dios, no lo que quise. De la maldad que Dios me libre. Y el respeto se gana, manito. Eso no se consigue. Dale, ven. Te quiero ver, gozo y pasarla bien. Vamos, mira que caliente se ha puesto el weekend. La temperatura en 100. Y el cuello frusen. Ya estamos en